Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Podcast. Whatever you do, you want to try to make everything as smooth as possible for not just your quarterback, for the entire offense. We're, we tried some different things throughout the first several games of the year, and we're still going through that. Obviously, we're, we're not where we want to be offensively. WGN Radio presents Hogan Johns. What time is it? We've been playing this game a long time, and if you're just if you just don't think you're good enough to play, or you think you have those bad thoughts in your head, then it's definitely going to snowball and go bad from there. But um, I think we all know what we're capable of, um, just talent-wise on offense and what we can be and what we did last year. Um, and if you and if you don't believe in that, um, you're you're in the wrong spot. You're in the wrong place. I am starting to think that maybe you don't believe in me. With WGN's Adam Hogue. I do believe in you. I just know you're going to fail. And from the Athletic, Adam Johns. Your failures. <laughs> there hasn't been that physicality, but a lot of it just comes down to there's certain plays in certain parts of the game that that uh, it's not getting done, and it, and it was before. Here they are. I have never oh, yeah. seen a bunch up like this in my life. It's like a five-inch bunch-up I got here. Hogan Johns. Oh, sounds like Ernie's fed up. <laughs> Just a little bit. I get it. Hey, everybody's fed up. Just a little bit. It's been a, I would say, just a lot. Week of panic. As we said last week on this very episode, if they lost to the Saints, and then, of course, the Met, the way in which they lost to the Saints did not help either. So You mean getting their butts kicked? Getting their butts kicked. That's a good way to put it. Welcome in, Hogan Johns, our uh, Week 8 preview episode as the Los Angeles Chargers come to town. They have their own host of problems. We'll get into those as we preview this game. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can read us at WGNRadio.com slash Bears. The Athletic the Athletic app, that's where you get the bonus episode of Hogan Johns every single week. We uh, had an entertaining one on Tuesday, I thought, um, as we broke down the Wisconsin-Michigan State game. <laughs> Kirk Cousins magic. Uh, the sign of good things to come from Kirk Cousins. Right. So, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of fun on those uh, Tuesday episodes. We like doing them. And uh, this will be your more traditional preview episode, but a lot to get to from Hallis Hall, too. Uh, as we break down an interesting week here with the Chicago Bears. Do also want to mention, uh, and I think you heard it at the top there, the live show coming up November 7th at Kroll's South Loop. We'll start around 7 o'clock, and um, it, you know, it's going to be one of our fun live shows that we like doing a couple times every season, and uh, these are always very successful. We love seeing you guys, so we hope you come out to Kroll's in the city. Uh, and the best part is we have tickets to that game that weekend. The Bears play the Lions that weekend, and we have tickets to give away. You think people will be excited about that? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, There's 10 games left, everybody. You know, you beat the, the Lions. The Lions still are a mess, yes. If you beat the Chargers, worst case scenario, you're 500 in that Lions game. Yeah, there you We're go. We're still in the mix. I know. It's the Eagles uphill. are a losing football team right now. They're pressing all sorts of panic buttons in Philadelphia right now. They are. 
Three and four. Andy Reid's disciples. Yes. Struggling yes, a yes, little bit right are. now. Yes, they are. Hey, how about quickly in Philly? How about Alshon Jeffrey reportedly being that anonymous leak ripping Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson? With Josina Anderson? Yes. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> Still don't know why she's blocked me on Twitter. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I don't know you're blocked. What did I, you do? I didn't know I was blocked either. Yeah. My only interaction ever with Josina Anderson was outside Lucas Oil Stadium. It was 11 degrees and snowy and icy during the combine. And she's trying to walk down the steps on her heels. And I offered to carry her suitcase for her. Yeah. That's literally my only interaction really? ever. <laughs> I have no idea, but I'm blocked on Twitter. Yeah, I block you for that, too. I know. Yeah. Just a bad guy. Yeah, you are a bad guy. I am a bad... Completely on her side. <laughs> bad guy. Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. Oh, Al's not a bad guy. He's just not... A dumb guy? Good at his job guy. <laughs> That's, I was mean. You were correct. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I was mean. You were correct. It's a good way to put it. Um, all right. So, uh, and that, that live show at Kroll's sponsored by Goose Island. Really, really happy to have them on board with our yeah. podcast. And um, come and hang out. Have I a I, beer. I think I got have some a burger. goose in my fridge right now. If you just want to blow off the day. You have a just, goose in your fridge. Well, <laughs> <laughs> not a literal goose. I have some goose, clarify. goose Island beer. We live in a world where 140 characters could be construed anyway. And I have a, Christ- be- I have a Christmas goose. <laughs> In your also, fridge, okay. In my fridge. Uh, all right. Should we start with... Let's start with Mitch Trubisky. Because there's a couple things I want to do here on our podcast. And we got your voicemails. We'll play here in a little bit, too. I'm sure those will be fun. Um, I've been trying to spend a couple weeks now, really since the bye week, trying to figure out how much the offense, the scheme is to blame and how much the execution is to blame. The answer is probably somewhere with both. All of the above? Yeah. But I do want to take a look at a couple plays here in a little bit to help explain that. But I want to start with Mitchell Trubisky first because he had. A, I thought he had an interesting press conference yesterday. Uh, I, would, I agree. I would describe Mitch as edgy. Get any other good adjectives? Um, no, that's that's what I use. There's a sense of anger there. Yes, and which I don't think is a bad thing. No, no, it, it's about time this dude got pissed off. Yes, I mean you're getting dragged through the mud this way and that. People are are teeing him off yeah. nationally, locally, fans. In the past, this is about as upset as he would get. Uh, you love the interception questions like I was counting you for that. Yeah, that's me. That's me, baby. That's yeah, it. man. Who wants to get tackled? There actually haven't been a lot of interceptions to discuss. No, year. the Bears are, uh, I believe, fourth in the league in giveaways. Yeah, they have six on the season only. Uh, that's fourth in the league. That's kind of weird. You know, all the struggles they've had, it's not because of turnovers. Uh, although, actually, that's not true because they fumbled the ball twice against the Saints, and that was not, that actually killed them. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I don't necessarily have anything specific for Mitch that I want to pull out. I just want you to hear, if you missed his press conference yesterday, I want our listeners to kind of hear his tone of voice, the way he was interacting with us reporters at House Hall. So I'm going to start it off from the top with him. You're going to hear a little bit of silence here at the beginning, just him walking up to the podium and greeting the media. Here you go. Mitch, how you feeling? It's good. I could not be here. That'd be easy for me. How, how are you feeling, especially you know considering the current status and everything? Doing good. What's, Doing really good. 
I'm excited for this week. Another opportunity uh, to get back on track. So hasn't been going the way we wanted to, but happens sometimes. But we got a great opportunity this week, and uh, I think we, are, the guys in the locker room, we got a, we got a great attitude. Not everyone's happy about it because we shouldn't be, but we got a good opportunity to fix it, and I think we have the right mindset to get back on track. On the RPO sack in the second quarter on Sunday, if you had a, a do-over on that play, how hand the ball off. Easy, hand the ball off. Mitch, is there a particular part of your game that you're most focused on right now? Just getting back comfortable in the pocket and doing the right drops and making the right decisions for my team. You say hand the ball. Maybe a little less reluctant or just not seeing the run or, or not coming out of the pocket? I'm sorry? Have you felt at any time that you've been a little less reluctant or you're just not seeing running opportunities or any idea why you haven't been running quite as much? Uh, I think teams have been doing a good job taking away. I'm trying to be a pass-first guy, uh, opening running when it's open, and it, it hasn't been there. So just keep looking for it, but doing my job as a passer first. You, you talked about on that RPO. Was Cam the ball off to the running back, yeah. yeah. Was Cam Jordan doing a good job of like making it look like he was correct? No, I made a bad decision. He, he does do a good job with that, but it would have been an easy handoff read. I was doing too much with my eyes. I never look at the running back and then try to throw a free access out route. Um, that was just bad by me. It should have been a handoff, and if anything, I would have thrown the RPO to the other side to where my eyes were, what same side Cam was on. But he does a good job with that. But should have been an easy, easy give and move on. You talked about footwork as being an issue in the game, and that you would work on it in practice. But how exactly do you work on it in practice when you're obviously not getting hit live? Yeah, you try to simulate the pocket as much as you can in practice, and obviously the game reps are the best. And being out for a couple weeks, I think definitely showed um, I wasn't as comfortable as I usually am in the pocket. And a couple times I did the wrong drop, and sometimes there was happy feet, sometimes moving, looking for that run when I didn't need to. And they did a good job of just keeping me in the pocket and not letting me get outside or find those running lanes. And uh, I was doing too much with my feet, so just calm them down this week, really drill to get a lot of footwork and, and on the drops and just making sure I'm going the right place with football. So it's not like he wasn't willing to talk and he was very critical of himself yeah. in all those answers. Um, it's a bite. But you could tell. I, I think he cut off three out of the first five questions. Yeah. Um, well, that RPO kind of went viral. Who was it? Seth Galina. We talked about it in the yes. last podcast. Yeah. Kind of mocking the whole read and situation. And other people analyzed it. I think Brian... Uh, Baldinger also yep. did the same play. Yeah, a lot of obsession over one play, just one play. But go on. But it, you know, there's a couple things there because one, the RPOs are in this offense to help him, correct? And the reads are supposed to be a simple. lot of teams run RPOs. Just we should be clear. And the but they're supposed to help Mitch because the reads are pretty simple. Okay, and he. As you heard him say, I mean, he screwed up multiple p- parts of that play. Now, I'm going to defend him on something, and it's why, I asked, if you heard me in there asking the question the way I did, I, I must have watched that play f- 25 times. Yeah. And it, from if you watch from the all-22 angle, it looks like Cam Jordan crashes. And he stops. At fir- then he stops. Yeah. And then if you watch it from the end zone angle, it doesn't really look like he crashes as hard. I thought he gets off the line like he's crashing. Yeah. And so he did a good job on that play, right? I and there's and a he probably cup. still could have tackled David Montgomery for like a two yard game. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. I, I I know Mitch said he he should have handed the ball off, and certainly it wouldn't have resulted in a sack. But I don't think it, now if Montgomery gets past Cam Jordan, if he's able to slip that tackle, it could have gone for a big gain. I'm gonna explain why in a second. But I I just don't 
I, I sort of understand why Mitch held the ball, is what I'm saying, instead of handing it out to Montgomery. Because Cam Jordan is a dangerous player. And he was, pro. And he did a good job on that play. making it. I thought he, he did a good job making it look like he was crashing when he really wasn't. And I'll bring up another play in this game where um, they ran that option to the right side. Yep. Cam Jordan started crashing on that, stopped his feet, still got out to the outside and made the tackle. He's a great player. He's just that good. Yes. So, again, and we're going to keep flipping back and forth between player execution and scheme here. Maybe you shouldn't run those plays towards Cam Jordan. Yeah. Maybe he shouldn't be the unblocked defender because that's part of those plays. Unblocked defender. You make him choose, and then you make him be wrong based on what he does. Yeah. He, in my opinion, outsmarted the Bears on multiple plays. So credit the Saints' execution over the Bears' execution. But those plays schematically are supposed to be relatively easy decisions. So if you're getting beat by a player, maybe you shouldn't be running it towards that guy. All right, so that's one thing. The other thing I want to point out is the respect of the run on that RPO was not there. No. If you look at the linebacker number 53 on the end zone angle, he is turning his body backwards and turning the pass, turning the run backwards before the ball even gets to the mesh point. For those of you who don't know what the mesh point is, that is the point where Mitch is either, you know, has the ball basically in Montgomery's belly to either hand it off or pull it back. Before he even gets the ball into the mesh point, that linebacker is already going backwards to defend the pass. So, if Montgomery had been able to get by Cam Jordan, there was a lot of room to run there. It would have been a decent game. That being said, I think Cam Jordan makes the play. Now, as Mitch said, he should have handed the ball off. Okay, That, that was apparently the conclusion that the Bears made with this play. He still had wide receivers open. Yeah. And as you also heard him say, and this is what we talked about Tuesday when we discussed this play, he should have just thrown it to Anthony Miller. He's yes. standing right yes. there. But he turned the wrong way. Yeah, he went backside, which Dan Durkin on our episode on Tuesday talked about. You're, those plays are not designed to just turn around the other side of the field. No. Because when you're, when you're angled your body to read the defender in front of you, your body is facing that half of the field. And he turns back to the left, the other half of the field, and apparently is looking at Allen Robinson. Now, it's too bad that Taylor Gabriel's route didn't take him out towards the sideline because Allen Robinson was actually clearing his defender out on the play. Correct. And if the throw had gone to Gabriel on an out route instead of a stick, which is what Gabriel ran, he would have had a ton of room to run. I don't think he saw Taylor Gabriel. I don't think he did either. I think the line was in front of him. Yes, yes. And that's... No, my argument for bigger receivers. I'm pulling up the play again. Just want to see it one more time. I, I think Anthony Miller is actually open instantly. Instantly. And that's where your eyes are yep. behind yep. the read. Yep. Yep. So Definitely open instantly. It should have been a Quick throw. So I know he's saying he should have handed the ball off, but after he doesn't, he still had 17 right there for an easy throw. Now, it wouldn't have been a huge game, but it would have been like five, six yards, right? You're looking at it. Yep. I'm looking at it right now. Sorry, it's in slow motion. I'll I feel like I have the play burned in my memory at this point. I, I just find it unique that there's certain... I get you could take one play, and I guess in a sense this does kind of encapsulate some of the decision-making struggles that he's having. 
right now. I just think it points to everything that's spinning in his head on these, you know, at any given moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I see it. I, there's 53. Yeah, 53 to even play. <laughs> Running backwards. Yes. And he definitely does not see Taylor Gabriel. Big number 92 in trials and are in his way. Number 90 is coming in on him, too. Who wants to get sacked? Not me. On that play, he got sacked. Yep. Yep. Bad. All right. On the scheme side, though, okay. again, maybe Cam Jordan shouldn't be the guy you're reading. Okay. Well, it's usually the defensive end anyway, but also, okay, I know what you're saying. I know, but you could run it to the other side. I don't know. And what does it say that the linebackers are just... Like, I feel like the Saints knew this RPO was coming. Yeah. I feel like Jordan knew it was coming. I feel like the linebackers knew it was coming. And they just they don't respect the run at all. So if it's not working, you can't run it. Yeah. I don't... It, it, like, A... The quarterback's not even running it properly, and B, the defenses are seen. And Dan's been Dan Durkin's been all over this since week one against the Packers. The formations are tipping off the RPOs. Yeah, so I think this is a little bit of both. You know, Dan Durkin. Um, if you sit next to him or near him in the press box, will actually call out things. He's got some Steve Stone like qualities in him. <laughs> he watches that much yeah. tape, predicts the play. He used to do that with Tressman too, and that's. A bit disconcerting, I, I, I would say, especially with Matt Nagy having this this Andy Reid playbook and, and having the this you know, he's supposed to be an offensive mind here. He's supposed to have this floor to wall dry erase board where they're designing plays. Things just aren't yeah. clicking. I'm trying to find that tweet from Kurt Warner. Oh, I know what you're talking about. You want to read it? Um, okay, Kurt Warner says. Okay, someone smarter than me explained to me what the Chicago Bears are doing offensively. Is the scheme based off their young quarterback's limitations, or is the scheme limiting their young quarterback? It's hard to know when not in the meeting room, but it's a struggle to watch. Which side would you lean toward? Um, I would say it's more towards Mitch, but as Kurt Warner responded to somebody... It's not just Mitch. Yeah. And then, to his point on... he, I think he responded to Baldy's breakdown of this play. Kurt Warner said, Very seldom do you read someone on the right side and throw back to the left, which is what we just talked yes. about. His read after the pull should be to the right side, in my opinion. Anthony Miller. And then he says, although I... And this is Kurt Warner again. Although I wasn't an RPO guy, obviously. Where he has a flat and hook concept, Anthony Miller. Yes. Not sure why he is looking away from free defensive end that he was reading. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's not hard stuff. I, yeah. Uh, well, I think it speaks to a couple things. One, his disconnect with Miller, which is obvious. And two, his, his unbelievably strong preference to find Allen Robinson. The fourth progression on that play. You know, that's that's problematic when you're yeah. locking in. Like, he immediately goes far left when he should be right. It's a problem. It's a problem. Then Kurt Warner says, uh, this was 18 hours ago, so about, I don't know, a day after he 
tweeted the first thing. He said, went back and watched the Bears game again. I retract my statement about the entire offense. It wasn't nearly as bad conceptually as I thought the first time. Although some look bad, I think I was able to figure it out a little more the second time through. So, back to the quarterback. Yeah, I th- and that's that's what I keep... This is why we're having this discussion. I, every time I get to something schematically... I point to a lack of execution elsewhere. So, Baldy, Brian Baldinger, I love his breakdowns. Baldy's breakdowns on Twitter every week, okay? It's the voice. The voice gets it. Yeah, well, he does a really good job of just, like, explaining it. Yes, yes. Uh, and it's we like, get you fired up sometimes. And he don't, does it all in one take. It's yeah. really impressive. So, he broke down this RPO that we keep talking about. We talked about Tuesday. Maybe we should put it, put it to bed at this point. But, uh, you know, he crushed it. Just like we pretty much are. I mean, I think there's a schematic problem. I think there's multiple decisions made wrong by the quarterback at the same time. And it just led to a terrible play at a terrible time. That yeah. led to a field goal instead of what could have been a touchdown. So that's fine. He also brought he also looked at the first play of the game. Yeah. Which is another first offensive play of the game. Which is another play that Nagy has talked about this week because Kevin Fishbane brought it up in the press conference right away after the game. You spend a week and a half talking about how you need to run the football. You start the game with a run, and you're a block away from busting it. Yep. Now, Brian Baldinger brought this play up because his problem with it is sort of the, the window dressing within Matt Nagy's offense. A lot of motion, which the whole point of this motion is to help the quarterback read the defense. Because usually... Well, there's nothing to read here. It's just a straight handoff. Right, but okay. I but I'm explaining why there's so much motion okay. in the Bears offense in Nagy's scheme. Okay. So Taylor Gabriel goes left to right across the formation. And what it does is it brings in the defensive back who ends up making the tackle on the run. It brings them into the box. And Baldinger's point was basically like the scheme is killing the run because you're bringing an extra defender into the box here, the guy who ends up making the tackle. Now, I saw both of these plays Tuesday night and was still up, and I was looking at the film myself. I've just watched it three times now. Yeah, and look, on the RPO, I immediately agreed with them. I, I was like, yeah, there's problems about this. We've, we've talked about it. When I saw this play, though, I did not agree with him. Yeah, My instinct right away was to say, but you're not pointing out, Baldy, that the 53 weak side linebacker is getting taken out of the box. Well, motion. not entirely, but he shifted away almost Sh- away from the run. Yes. Shifts away from the run. Yeah. So you still have a hat on a hat. The numbers are still there. It's still six on six. And I couldn't help but notice that Cody Whitehair falls down. And Cody Whitehair, the left guard, James Daniels, the center, have a combo back block on the defensive tackle. And Cody Whitehair falls down. To me, it looked like Daniels glances over to the right, sees that defensive back that was brought in the box by Taylor Gabriel's motion, and makes a decision right there in the moment to stay on the defensive lineman he's blocking because Cody fell down. I think if Cody Whitehair stayed upwards, he Daniels would have gone to the second level. He would have climbed to the second level, blocked the defensive back. There would have been a huge hole for Tariq Cohen to run through. I think Matt Nagy actually said that. That his... the. That one of those guys, he didn't specify right. who, Daniels or Whitehair, was supposed to get to the second level and close off 
the defensive back that came into play. So that was how it was dr- drawn up. So I want to give Rich Campbell from the Chicago Tribune credit because he went and talked to James Daniels, and da- James Daniels said exactly that he was supposed. He to get actually him. knocked Cody Whitehair off. He's the reason why Cody Whitehair fell down. I'm watching it right now. And slow mo. You can see him if you watch the slow mo. He looks at that defensive back coming over and he couldn't quite get there. I hope we're painting this picture correctly for those of you just listening right now and obviously can't see the play. But the point is Baldy in this case, and again I love him, I love these breakdowns, was blaming the scheme and once again it's execution because if they ha- that combo block should not be that hard. Yeah. Here's, can I go on a little rant? Sure. Like now that everybody has access to the film, and look, Brian Baldinger knows a lot more football than me. Dan Orlovsky knows a lot more football than me. Sage Rosen, I'm going off guys who have taken film to the next level. Kurt Warner knows a ton of more football than me. But at least Warner admits, like, you don't know all the assignments within the play, mm-hmm. you know? You may be 90% right, but your criticism could still be short, like Baldinger's, if you're 10% wrong. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. So even like those guys know the game. And then you have all their Twitter folks who make their living off of analyzing film and going over clips and stuff like that. And they could be wrong. Like Pro Football Focus does this, right? You don't know the assignments of every single player. You don't know what the, especially when it's up front in the trenches, what they're being asked to do. There's a lot of nuance to this. A ton of nuance to this. You're watching the play. Again. No, I'm trying to find Dan Orlovsky's tweet in response to Kurt Warner because he just crushed the Bears. Yeah. Apparently, Dan Orlovsky uh, tweets every five seconds. So um, it's a little hard to find this tweet right now. Um, anyway, he... Yeah, I can't find it. But he's had some issues with Trubisky in the past too. Yeah, but his he, thing he's was, been fair with them though. At the same time, I've heard some 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 praise, but I get that a lot of struggles come back to to the offense. What's what's the other one? The the um, the the play that Anthony Miller fumbled on, and Matt Nagy said, "Go watch the Bills game." Right? Yes. Again, that's execution. You you have three blockers on one player. Against the Saints. Well, and you had a problem with that play when we talked Sunday night after the game. Yeah. But I, I, he brought that up Monday in the press conference. By the time the press conference was over, because this is the access we have, I went back and watched the play. And there's a few differences. So we're now talking about the Anthony Miller pitch, at, like end around where he fumbled the ball. They ran this play against the Bills last year, the first play of the game. First and 10 to the other side, so they go to the other side. There's also a very subtle difference in that the ball was in the middle of the field, not at one of the hash marks. So there was a little bit less room yeah, to, I, to I, work I, I actually don't like, like just in general, when you're... Running to the short side? Yeah, yes, yes. Give give your playmaker space. But So on. that was a subtle difference. Um, they also, again, they're running left against Buffalo, right against the Saints. So it's a different offensive tackle involved. You'll see immediately if you watch the Bills play, Charles Leno climbs to the second level immediately. That's one difference. Massey does not do that on this play. Another difference, the receiver to the outside against Buffalo is Taylor Gabriel, who immediately cuts inside the block. Against the Saints, Allen Robinson's the outside receiver. He runs a route. He takes his defender deep. 
Okay, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just yep. it's you just run a, them off. Yep. It's just a difference. To me, the biggest difference is the three blockers involved against the Saints are Massey, Burton, Montgomery. Yep. Okay. Against the Bills, it's Leno, Burton, Jordan Howard. You're going to see right away against the Bills, there's just less guys to block. There's more room to run. So one thing that I just don't think the Bills played it as well as the Saints did. That being said, once again, the numbers are there. They can get a hat on a hat, and nobody on this play against the Saints blocks the guy that ends up tackling Anthony Miller yeah. and forcing the fumble. I think it's David Montgomery actually runs past the guy, right? Um, yes. Yep. Yes, but I think it's Burton who's supposed to block him first. Okay. And then Montgomery's supposed to be the lead blocker between the two of them. And so the bottom line is whoever you want to blame, the blocks just weren't made. They were made against Buffalo. They were not made against the Saints. And I think that just gets back. You're right. Burton misses the guy. Yep. It, it just gets back to... Every time I want to go down a road with a play where I'm blaming the scheme, and I thought on Sunday night, your gripe about him, why are you running to Anthony Miller? Like, why, yep. why is that the play? Well, he has a good answer. He usually does, Matt Nagy. He comes back Monday and he says, look, we ran this play last year for a gain of nine. Yep. It should work. The players need to block. Yep. So There are signs of the scheme working. There are signs of the scheme not working. But... The execution part, to me, is alarming. Maybe you got to call plays that the that the that the players execute better. Maybe you need to put your players in a better position. But there still are signs of Trubisky putting put in a good place to complete throws on routes with routes and combinations and concepts that he's comfortable with, and him air milling throws. It's alarming, and I feel like Nagy's been trying to drive this point home without really naming players and ripping them. You know what I'm you know what I'm talking about? He's continuously had these messages, especially with the offensive line, right? And he said a couple times now, I would love you know maybe in the offseason I'll I'll show you guys. I'll bring the media in to watch it so you can you can see the missed assignments by the way see the missed blocks do it yes yes i'm in other teams do it i'm in count me in but it's uh it's a problem it's a problem um just just like i've come around to like anthony miller's side on things and in the 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 miller trubisky debate i've come on around to Miller's side i've come around to the the scheme of things actually functioning and the players failing to execute yeah I think that's not functioning well, but there's signs of function, to put it mildly. I think that's the biggest overwhelming theme, is these players just need to they need to step it up. And it's just like one run, it's the offensive line. The next, it's Trey Burton not making his block on the outside. You know, The next, it's the quarterback not making the right read. There's just too much dysfunction. And, and look, by the way, and someone at someone at home or in their car right now is listening to this and going, "That's coaching." To a certain extent, it is. Yeah, it, it is. You know, yep. I, whoever it is, figure it out. Get your guys blocking. Whether yep. it's Harry Heastan, Mike Furry, your wide receivers coach, get those guys blocking. Charles London, Kevin Gilbride, get your guys. It's on the coaches too. Yep, it's on Matt Nagy. Make it work. 
There's got to be a way to figure this out. So, And they got time to figure it out. I feel like we should couch every statement we're making and saying there's 10 games left. Now, the signs of the signs aren't quite there, but the NFL is crazy, man. 10 games left. It's a lot of football. That's right. All right. Uh, Joe Romano is also in the house. What's up, Joe? Yo, yo. What's good, boys? Culture. History. Spaghetti. These are the things of a boot country called Italia. Hello, I'm Joe Romano of Romano Tours. For two generations, my family has provided high-quality tours of Italy to people from all over the world, but mostly Long Island and Jersey. Joe had the pleasure of uh, dealing with our voicemail line this week. Holy cow. (laughs) Yo, that bleep button, it's broken. It's broken? It's broken now. Yep. I had to use it quite a few times. That was loud. Um, should we play these? Let's do it. I'm a little scared. But yeah, Joe, let's go ahead and play these and uh, can't wait. Here they are. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! The Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. 312-222-5050. Go Bears! Miserable Bears fan Mike from Bricktown, New Jersey. This is the worst offense I've seen since being a Bears fan since 1984. They suck. Patrick from Brooklyn. Cordell Patterson just scored a touchdown on a kickoff, and it just made me think how funny it is that year after year after year, the Bears have exactly the same situation with a terrible quarterback and offense, a good defense, and then they score their points on special teams. Feels like a witch has put a curse on the Bears. Big Easy from Brooklyn. Can Matt Nagy just let his offensive coordinator call plays? Enough of this. I mean, come on, man. Do something different. Sean in Buckeye, Arizona. Hogue. John. It's time. Nagy needs to be relieved of play-calling duties. His offense is clearly incapable and outmatched against every NFL team in the league. And Leonard Floyd is complete garbage. He's a bust. He's playing opposite of Khalil Mack and can't get to the quarterback ever, ever, unless he's playing Green Bay. Please, please, please do not extend this garbage bag in a Chicago Bears uniform. Sykes in Seattle. This is just unbelievable. I, I, I don't understand what's happened to this team, man. Every phase. Heads have to roll. We need some f***ing answers. Robin Grant City, I need your guys' opinion. We've got to talk about something here. The quarterback is a coward. A craven coward. Talk to me about Colin Kaepernick and how, even after a three-year hiatus, he wouldn't be better than the combination of quarterbacks we have in the lineup right now. We are wasting our defense. They are stretched out. I can't do it. I'm just done. I'm done. Bear down. Hogue, Johns, Joey Jojo, please give me something to be slightly optimistic about. We've got a Super Bowl caliber defense and all kinds of talent on offense, and we just cannot move the ball a single f***ing yard. Our special teams is a joke. We finally found a kicker. I see a very, very dark future for the Bears right now. Please convince me I'm wrong. Jay from Indianapolis, first-time caller. What in the hell are we watching? What in the hell are we watching? 
Eric from Nanuet. It's the fourth quarter, and I left because that is just depressing. What a pathetic excuse for an offense. Mitch looks like a deer in headlights. Ben from Paxton. I've never seen a f***ing shittier team. I mean, this is pathetic. 83 f***ing yards of offense in three quarters. Get Trubisky the f*** out of there. Get Nagy out of there. Trade everyone. Tank for Trevor Lawrence. F***ing restart. Tired of this sh**. Zach calling from Virginia. I don't know what David Montgomery did to Nagy to make him hate him so much, but I don't think I can watch Patterson run the ball or Mitch throw a check down to Cohen one more time, and I'm done defending Mitch. Eric from Columbus, Ohio. I'm actually glad that this game happened because now I can lower my expectations and laugh at all the mistakes instead of getting angry. Kevin from Deerfield. That is a franchise-altering loss, much as the Green Bay loss in 2014 was. Pace, Nagy, and Trubisky will all lose their jobs at the end of the season, as they should. I look forward to hearing what Bears apologist Adam Johns has to say about this one. Boys, stop the bruscus here, leaving Soldier's Field. Wrote a little poem to sum up my feelings on the Bears season overall. Goes like this. Roses are black. Violets are black. Mitch is back. This offense makes me want to puke my guts out. Trent Steele from Chicago. Guys, I hate to say it. I think the organization has to move on from Ryan Pace. We definitely need to get a QB in the draft in the early rounds. But let's look at Pace's drafting. Floyd, Invisible, Daniels, Average, Miller, Average, Shaheen, Bust, Roquan Smith, look promising, now looking busted. White hair, Average, Kevin White, Ultimate Bust, Trubisky, Bust. I think it's time to realize that Ryan Pace himself is a butt. Mike, from the wrong side of the cheese curtain, I am struggling to deliver a verse that will capture the Chicago Bears' curse. Blessed with defensive studs, paired with offensive duds, Lord, please tell me it won't get any worse. My name is Igor Tcharkovsky. I am Bears fan from f***ing Siberia. I, I watch game to draw myself away from all of the horrors of living in one of the coldest places in the world. But today, I look at Mitch Trubisky and I say, Ah, you will never be quarterback for this team. Garbage. Unacceptable. Retire. Siberia. Can I give uh, my Bears apologist approach here? Yeah. Matt Nagy, as Bears coach, is 15-7. and seven. He is under contract for... Eight with the playoff loss. Eight with the playoff loss. Okay, that's fine. Still winning record. He is under contract for three more years after this. Yep. Ryan Pace, too. I know we're all uncertain about Trubisky, but... Chill, man. Chill. There's nothing to apologize for. That's just reality. Well, I don't know about chill. I think people have a right to be upset right now, but... They're they're not going anywhere. And I, again, I don't think this is 2014. Now it might get uglier here. It, it's a possibility. Um, and I also the one caller that was bringing up Brian Pace's draft picks. It is all of a sudden in the last like three or four weeks. Looked a lot of guys we thought were good picks are starting to look like they're not so great picks. But it's also the middle of the season. Yeah. Let's see this thing play out for the rest of the year. It's not even the middle of the season. <laughs> yeah, it's not. But like, I, two I, more games before that. Look, it's not been a great start to the year for guys like Anthony Miller, James Daniels, Roquan Smith, Leonard Floyd. But here's the thing: all those other callers praising the Super Bowl worthy defense. A lot of those guys you just said are on that defense. And can I can can I take the defense to task? 
a little bit? Sure. They don't look like a Super Bowl contending defense right now. Let's be clear. I don't care about the offensive struggles. Eventually, you got to get off the field. You've yeah. allowed over 300 yards rushing in the past two games. I think somehow everybody is still underrated in the loss of Akeem Hicks. Yes. Yes. Well, you're... You go back and watch the tape. You, I, t- I tell you, there's a guy named Danny Trevathan who saw a lot more offensive linemen in his face at the second level the last two weeks than he did earlier but in the year. I also think it doesn't help. And he actually acknowledged this, too, that there's been some differences with Roquan trying to find his way back. Well, he, he said they're playing different positions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I got to say, watching the, the coaches tape, I'm not, I'm not questioning. I, I was a little bit earlier in the week wondering about the effort level with Roquan Smith. I don't think it's the effort level. He's still getting around the field. I think he's tentative. I think he's trying to figure out. I think he's thinking a little bit too much out there. And he and he doesn't want to be wrong, and it's causing him to play slower. Yeah, I, well, and he I, needs to play faster. Well, I, I think what I see to play linebacker, it takes a certain level of just violence. It's just part of the position, right? You have to violently take on blocks and shed them. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's not. He's not putting his feet in the ground, sticking his shoulder to a guy, and shedding the block. Yep. He's not attacking ball carriers when he has opportunities to. Just those are my obser- observations. That doesn't, doesn't sound like, like an apologist to me. No, no. Doesn't look like the player he was last year at Georgia and at least in the first game this season. I finally found the tweet I was looking for. The problem was I thought it was Dan Orlovsky and it was actually Sage Rosenfels who s- responded to Kurt Warner's tweet and said, I watched every single snap this morning. Worst offensive scheme in the NFL, just drawing up plays and running them, no rhyme or reason. It does lack rhythm. Play calling is rhythmic. There's no rhythm. Yeah. There could be, though, if your players started making the plays. True, true. Like, I I know it's the what-if game, but, like, what if... Cody Whitehair doesn't get knocked over by James Daniels. James Daniels gets to the second level, makes the block. They pick up eight, nine yards there on first down. What if on the second drive, Mitch hits the wide open wide receiver? People feeling good. I mean, we're moving the chains now. Yeah, yeah. Now you're getting going. Yeah. I always come back to what if Allen Robertson gets his two feet in on that play down the sideline? What if he, and he, I asked him that question yesterday. How do you evaluate that play and the diving catch that the ball got knocked out when he hit the ground? Yeah. He's he said, look, those are plays I gotta make. It's paid a lot of money. Make play you said that earlier this season. Make plays for your quarterback. Or one of us did. Um How are you supposed to have plays on plays if you're not making the original plays? Oh. Very good. But seriously. Yeah, no. You can't right. set up plays later in the game if you're not making the plays in the first quarter. Right. So, you know, that's why there's no rhythm. These guys just got to execute. I'm still on the side of it's not Nagy scheme. I thought I was earlier in the week, but the more I've looked at this, it's not. All right, we got to keep this thing moving and start talking about this game this weekend against the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, Allen Robinson apparently playing the San Diego Chargers this week, which could be a problem. (laughs) 
Well, I'm not gonna. I'm just. I wish they were in San Diego. I'm with Alan. I'm just busting his balls. Yeah. We're all gonna say San Diego. Our goal here in this podcast sh- should be to not call them the San Diego, Diego Chargers. Chargers. Yes, they belong in San Diego. But the, go on. They're barely the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> they have no fans. <laughs> yes, yes. They're playing in a soccer stadium. Yeah, it's sad. All right, so this is a uh, four point line. The Bears still favored, guys. They were favored against the Saints too. I'd point out noon Sunday on Fox. Finally, a noon game. An actual game being No, nah, no, nah, you're lying. At noon. It's noon? You sure? It's going to be really weird getting in the stadium early. Yeah. 10 a.m. game for the San Diego Chargers. <sighs> well, if they lose, uh, they might blame it on the, the time, yeah. just like Stanford did. So they're very... I've been looking at some t- statistics of them. Like Their defense is just middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. We thought it would be good. Their offense is actually worse... Like, everybody thought they would be a good team. Now, I know they've had some injuries. I know they've had the whole Melvin Gordon thing. The Bears should win this game. They should, right? Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, The Bears' offense is a lot worse. Well, it's like the worst in the league, but... Well, that's what... I mean, we can't just keep... And you're the one saying the defense isn't playing like a I know, Super Bowl. It's, but, but still, I, the Bears should still... Like, they're a home team. Should they're they? are favored by four and a half, aren't they? So the Chargers' problem right now is they're struggling to stop the run. They're ranked 21st in rushing defense, 117 yards per game, and they're struggling to run the football. The whole thing with Melvin... They keep... Oh, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler. Yeah, two great players. Well... They're averaging 74 yards per game rushing. So, um, I don't know how many teams the Bears need to see that are struggling to stop the run that all of a sudden stop the run against them because they can't run the football. Until I see it, I'm not going to expect it to change. I don't just look at the, oh, the Chargers, they can't stop the run, so the Bears are on No. Do it. Until they do it. Yeah. No, you're right. Show it. Prove it. It starts with the coach, actually. Bears are 30. a little more patient there, Matt Nagy. Absolutely. The Bears are 30th in yards per game, 30th in yards per play, 26 in points per game. Why don't we pull up some advanced statistics to early? And we all know how bad they are, too. There are some bad teams at the NFL right now. Yes. It's alarming just in terms of, statistically speaking, how bad they are. I mean, this is like the, the Tressman era was defined by the two worst defenses in Bears history. Through six games, this is... This offense is up there. We've seen a lot of bad offenses yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, At least Lovey got off the bus running. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me give you some observations. I watched the uh, Chargers-Titans game, which, holy crap, was that a crazy ending in Tennessee last week. We'll talk about that in a second. But a couple observations. Uh, and, Joe, feel free to chime in if, you, if you've seen any of this, too. But Phillip Rivers, his arm strength, to me, looks like it's considerably weaker. And I know he's getting older, but it's 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 almost like he's pushing the ball out of his hand. It, it, it just look and, and his his motion. Well, his motion has always been different. Has always yeah. been weird, but the ball's just not coming out with a whole lot of power to me. Um, he had some chances on the first drive and, and uh, missed on a fourth and short. Then on the second drive of the game, he should have been intercepted on a ball that just wasn't thrown that hard. So. But that being said, they're still throwing the ball pretty well. Uh, let's see, they're passing. They're third in the league in passing yards. 
So, well, you're not running the ball well. <laughs> you got to do something. But yeah, yes. look, they have Keenan Allen. Yep. They have Hunter Henry, who's a matchup problem. Mike Williams hasn't necessarily blossomed, but he's still a big receiver that you need to worry about. And you know, Melvin Gordon's still a good player, even if he screwed up his holdout. He's obviously you know coming back a little slow here because he missed all training camp at the beginning of the season. But yeah, and for all those passing yards, Philip Rivers. I mean, the Chargers only allowed 13 sacks. And the Bears are struggling to, to get to the quarterback right now. They have, what, one sack over the past two games? It's a problem. Uh, yes, that is a problem. And Joey Bosa is a monster on the other side for the Chargers. Yes, he is. So the Bears offensive line is going to have their their uh, hands full. But, I mean, still, this, this, this Chargers offense did not look that impressive to me. They had two yards of offense in the third quarter. <laughs> Tennessee absolutely dominated the second half time of possession with a running game. Yeah. With Derrick Henry running the football. Yes. What a concept. And then the the uh the goal line situation at the end of the game was just insane. Um it looked like the Chargers had scored the go ahead touchdown. It gets called back after a replay review. Austin Eckler ruled short. Then the Chargers have a full start. Then the Titans have a pass interference. So they go back to the one-yard line, first and goal. So they really had two first and goals here in this situation. Gordon looked like he got in, Melvin Gordon. They replay it. They rule him short. Then on the next play, try to pound it in, he fumbles. I saw yesterday, the Chargers have five turnovers this year in goal-to-go situations. Oh, You want to kill a season, that'll do it. Yeah, But it tells you that they're getting down there. They're still moving the ball. They're having trouble putting it in the end zone. Yeah. You know who's not getting down there? The Bears. No. Not getting down there. I still think it's 14 trips to the red zone this year. Okay. That's like hard to do. (laughs) That is really hard to do. And how many times have they been goal to goal? Because that seems like it's like a handful of times. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. Not good. All right. I want to hear you and Joe pick this game first because I got to admit, I am I am really, really struggling with yeah. this. You could go first, Joe. Go ahead. All right. I don't have a ton of reason to be confident, obviously. I mean, you guys have spent the post-game show, the Tuesday episode, and um, all of this episode talking about how bad they've been. But I think, you know... That could be used as a motivator. This is a, a home game at noon. You're getting the Chargers who played in Nashville last week in a 3 o'clock game, had to go back to practice in California and then come back here for a noon game. I think you kind of catch them. Adam kind of joked about that with Stanford. I, I think you do kind of catch a West Coast team at, in a noon game, a motivated quarterback. Um, again, not super confident, but I will take the Bears to win 24-14. With 24 points. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bold prediction, baby. Mitch accounts for three touchdowns. Let's see. Go. I, 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 bold predictions. Bold, yeah. See, I view the Chargers as a bad team, but not like a very bad team. Like you said, there, there's a lot of signs of life every now and then that they're finding ways to lose. There's still talent on the roster. Yeah, I mean, the statistics don't show a completely inept football team. I know, I know the rushing yards are, are bad, but, you know, the Bears' rushing yards are bad, and some people will probably still argue they're... Uh, I, actually, I don't know who will argue right now that the Bears are a good team, but... um, I'm going to go Chargers here. I, I think I'm at to the point where seeing is believing yeah. again, and I know the Bears have talent. I know Mr. Trubisky. Maybe that anger could help them. The Bears' defense, Roquan Smith... 
Danny Trevathan in a new spot. Khalil Mack, no sacks. There, there's some alarming trends defensively, too. But until they put their foot in the ground and turn it around, it's hard to side with what they're doing right now. So give me Chargers 20-13. to 13. Okay. I think there's... there's no, a, I'll say 27. Maybe there's a little more offensive energy. 20-17. to 17. Very understandable prediction. Um... Let me ask you guys this. If I set the over-under at 19 and a half rushing attempts by the Bears, and, and I'm saying by the team, it can include Mitch Trubisky. Scrambles. It can include end arounds to Taylor Gabriel or Anthony Miller, whoever. 19 and a half. You're taking the over or the under? I'm taking the over, and I actually I, I, have a, like, a quick follow-up after that, too. Go ahead, Adam. like... You want to take the other because you like until they do it. until they do it. It's not a like until they show it. And again, the Chargers, you know, they middle of the pack, I guess, in rushing yards. But what were you going to say, Joe? Yeah, yeah. I feel like he's uh, the coach that is uh, Nagy is forcing the issue. I mean, even from the Bears Twitter account, there was something about um, Nagy is going to be calling the play. So I think there's an internal. Um, awareness to know that, like, all right, we got to run the ball more. And as a matter of fact, I wanted to ask you guys how likely it is that the first play from scrimmage that they run the ball. And are the Chargers paying attention to these press conferences and, like, seeing the headline on the Sun-Times? Like, I know I'm not—I know we need to run the ball. I'm not an idiot. Do they see that and be like, all right, well, let's just load the box, you know, 10 guys and because he's going to run the ball in the first play. But part of the problem is— they don't need teams don't need to load the box right now to stop the Bears. Right, right. No. Like that's why we're have that's why there's so many problems here that we have to keep breaking down. Because it's not like they're loading up the box. They're still playing the pass, which is why it's making it hard on Mitch. Yeah. Okay. I went back to the Broncos game because that was the one game where they kind of sort of did commit to the run. David Montgomery had 18 carries for 62 yards, which is not a good average, 3.4. But eventually it broke the big, I thought it helped break the big run for Cordero Patterson, who had the 46-yarder down the left sideline. Um, the total amount of runs in that game was 29. I'm going to say the Bears do get over 20 rushing attempts, but just barely. Mike Davis, by the way, had three carries for one yard. Not a good average. And I apologize if you guys brought this up before I got here, but do you see them taking away some of that RPO action where they're not even going to let Mitch make the choice or read the defense? Just, this is a run play, dude. You got to run the ball. No, no, like, because he's, he still has had success with it. You can't overreact to, to, to one play. Uh, but it's been all season. And, and honestly, more than that, it, teams know when they're running the RPOs. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I would take it out of his hands. Yeah, you know what? You know what I want to see? Straight power football. A little old-fashioned power lab. football. Get off put, the bus running, baby. Put put J.P. Holtz in the backfield. Like you said, he's your fullback. But even more than that, I just I, I want to see more play action. Well, power football you, can work with that. You know that play that you are really upset about Sunday where Mitch just heaved it in the triple coverage downfield and Robinson was the only one really running a deep route? That's play action, yeah. It was play action. Yeah. But, but a does, lot of guys stayed home to protect. But it doesn't work when you're not running the ball. 
I know. I know. No, like, no kidding. There were three defensive backs back yeah, there. Yeah. You're, there. No one cares. No one thinks you're running the ball. Mm-hmm. You have to commit to it. So I don't know. Maybe they get 20 rushing attempts. Uh, I have no I, real reason to do this, but screw it. The Bears win 16 to 14. Ooh, a tight one. I, I just, I, again, the, the Bears should win this game. They should. I, I th- here, here's if I'm going to predict that they're actually going to sort of commit to the running the ball, I think they're going to find a way to win. That's what it comes down to. Okay. If they do not hit that 20 mark, which by the way isn't that high for a team. No. Montgomery should be up at least over 15 carries. Okay. There's really no evidence suggest any of this is going to happen. Except for the fact that I think the head coach maybe is starting to realize he is coming under fire. Yeah. And he just, at this point, has no choice. Yeah. Well, so, like... Bold prediction, the team gets over 100 rushing yards. Yeah. Is that bold? Yeah. I, I don't know what my bold prediction is going to be. For this be. team, it is. Yeah. I got none. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. They should win. I picked them to lose, though, until until I see some progress. That's where we stand. All right, let's pick some other games around the league as well. We tried to reach out to the man who died in this pursuit. Uh, they were unavailable for comment. Micah, back. It's unfortunate. Nah, that's my favorite one. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe they should talk to Sam Darnold. <laughs> uh, Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. Yes, they finally got it. Okay. What Vikings? By the 16. way, can I just defend Sam Darnold for a second? Here? Yeah, I mean the poor guys just said something that it's a it's like a figure it's a cliche, speech yeah, speech yeah. in football, and everybody's just killing them for it. Yeah, <laughs> just people. If you want to see cool things like a player mic'd up during the game, you can't kill the guy because now. If I'm like, I don't know who's the Monday night game again this week. It's uh oh, it's it's like the Dolphins and Steelers. You guys got plans Monday? We can go do something besides watch football. Um, like if you're the Dolphins right now, why in the world would you mic anybody up? Yeah, you're already a punching bag. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, we're gonna start with tonight's game. We'll do it quickly in case you're listening on Friday and this game has already happened. But it is a NFC North game. So Washington goes to Minnesota. You got the triple revenge game. You got Case Keenum. Adrian Peterson against the Vikings, and you got Kirk Cousins against Washington. 16-point spread, 720 Thursday night. Vikings in a route, man. I don't think the Bears broke them. They might have fixed them. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about play action, going deep. Yeah, I don't know how you make an argument for Washington other than this could be a weird Thursday night game, but the Vikings are playing well. Washington is confident, yeah. Yeah, Kirk Cousins playing well, man. He might have watched that game against Wisconsin and just felt like, hey, I could do this. Hey, that's not nice. No. Joe? Uh, too many points on a Thursday night. The Vikings are at home, which obviously, you know, they're the better team, but it just seems like there's a lack of motivation to really route this team besides Kirk Cousins going against his former team. So I say the Vikings win probably by double digits, so I kind of got it in between that 10 to 16 range, but uh, they don't cover. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. The Giants 
are in Detroit on Sunday. This game will be played opposite of the Bears game. Noon Sunday on Fox, the Lions are a seven-point home favorite. Are the Lions good? I think they're what they're 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 decent. They're, they're the Lions. They're the Lions. They're where they always are. They're in the middle of the They're path. trading players. Trading and team captains, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Apparently uh not going over well in that locker room. Um so give me the rookie quarterback and the Giants to cover this one. I mean, the Lions should still win, but yeah, give me the Giants. Giants are bad. I got the Lions. Joe. Yeah, I'm, I'm going that same route. The Giants aren't really showing me much. Even with Saquon back, I'm, I'm going to go with the Lions to cover a seven-point spread. Speaking of all these trades, do you envision the Bears making a trade? So I, I wrote And you this, had a story today yeah, about uh, the tight end. Yeah. Thank you. Um... The tight end production is extremely alarming. So last year at this point, Trey Burton had 354 yards receiving. You know how many he has right now? 63. Woof. And that's the, you know, you look at Kelsey in the Chiefs offense, Ertz in the Eagles offense, just in terms of having things click offensively. That's like Matt Nagy, when when I brought it up to him yesterday, seemed like, oh, yeah, that's that sucks. We need something there. You brought up Austin Hooper. Yeah. I don't uh, think it's going to happen. In but. your story, that's the kind of difference maker yeah. that I really feel like could come in and flip a switch on this offense. Yeah. Because they're getting nothing from the tight end. Nothing. Right now. And you know how and important he is a, it is to Nagy's offense. He is producing in a on a bad team right now. Now he's got Matt Ryan as quarterback, but the problem there is like, what would that trade cost you? Yeah. You don't have yeah. a first round pick. If Mohamed Sanu is netting a second, right? And he's, what, 30 years old? So this would be Austin Hooper's fourth year. So you're looking at an age difference. Um, is he under contract next year? No, no, no deal. Wasn't he a first-round pick? No, he was not. Oh, okay. Um, and the Falcons have serious cap concerns for next year. They got problems in Atlanta. So if they feel like they can't sign him, maybe they're willing to trade him. And if you're the Bears, knowing he hits the hits free agency this offseason, you have your own list of players you need to sign. I'm just trying to do the math on what the compensation. Yeah, it, would be it may like. not work. And you got teams like, but two two first rounders or two second rounders. Oh, now is that it, too much? Nah, that's that's too much. That's He's too a much. really good tight end. He's a, he is a really good tight end. I still remember him. Um, that stiff arm he had against Quentin Demps. Remember that? In the middle of the field? Shouldn't he bring back more than Sanu? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I look, I'm look. i looking at the Seahawks. They just lost their tight end to Torn Achilles. Will Disley. Yeah. You think they make that move? Yeah. So, if you go out and you do that trade, boy, you have mortgaged your draft capital. Yeah. See, I, I can't see Pace doing that. Even if it could make a huge difference this year. Yeah. Yeah. And next year if you re-sign them. But that's where you go back to the quarterback. Where are they on the quarterback? Yeah. Do they believe in this guy? Because yeah. if you don't believe in Mitch, if they've already kind of been like, I don't know, this isn't going well, then maybe Hooper Well, does. I don't think they're throwing on the towel and Mitch. They, they know he's got 10 games left, but you need to get something out of that position. Right. But if you go all in on a tight end, you still don't have the quarterback to give him the ball. Now yeah. you're just wasting draft picks. That's true. That's, that's what true. I'm saying. Yeah. So... That's a, that's an interesting scenario. All right. Keep it moving. Knock on wood if you're with me. The Green Bay Packers. The Kansas City Chiefs. How about this, man? 
we talked so much about the Packers getting a lot of breaks this year. How, Just, we talked so much about the schedule this year and how we knew it was going to be tougher. And the Packers and the Vikings play the Chiefs the next two weeks. Yeah, like the two weeks Mahomes is probably going to miss. Yeah, now, I know he's back at practice. Last, I can't imagine he plays. No, that no. would be quite a story. Maybe he is. Super that would be insanely stupid. Though. <laughs> uh, let, let's just be clear on that. Like all world talent, I got it that the Chiefs aren't playing great as a team, and you need them and all that. But this guy is special. Let's think of more the long term here, big guy. Come on, Andy. Like, why is he even practicing right now? He dislocated his kneecap. Well, it's great gamesmanship. Because the Packers are probably like, well, we don't have to worry about Patrick Mahomes. Then all of a sudden he practices. Oh, now you got to do work on yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm serious. They're not. Come on. Come on. One hit away from being seriously injured again. Had the ankle problems. Anyway, I'm picking the Packers. Things are breaking their way this year, man. A lot of things are breaking their way. This is another one. Packers. That's my lock. Give me that lock, too. Wow, locking them up. The Packers favor by four points. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. I'm actually going the other way. I think uh, Sunday night at home in Arrowhead, you know, I read, granted they were playing the Broncos last week. They whooped up on the Broncos without Patrick Mahomes for a lot of that game. I think the this is a tough spot for the Packers who... Hey, man, I'll give him all the credit. Aaron Rodgers is in the MVP discussion with what he's doing on offense right now with those wide receivers. Perfect pass rating last week. And Devontae Adams out again, I believe, right? I think so. Turf toe. Yeah. Still with. So I'm going to take the Chiefs, especially because they're getting four points at home on a Sunday night. Use my uh, college football rule on this one. I'm taking the Chiefs. Joe? Yeah, I'm on the chefs too. I think uh, this is a good spot for Matt Moore. You know, it, it's not a a guy who's inexperienced. This is a guy who started a playoff game. He's he's done this before, and um, like you said, it, maybe if Adams was back this week, it'd be a, a little bit more of a a Packers route. But I think you give them give them points in that stadium in a night game. I'll take the Chiefs. By the way, another schedule note: the whole first place schedule versus the last place schedule. Just pointing out that that game against the Saints the other day for the Bears, that would have been the Buccaneers, you know, last year. Yes. So it it is one week. Of course, the way the Bears played, they would have lost to the Buccaneers too. <laughs> uh all right. So let's keep this keep this thing going here. Gotta love preseason football. All right, the Eagles, Bills. The reason we're picking this game is because the Bears play the Eagles next week. Uh, but the Eagles go to Buffalo. They're desperate for a win. The Bills are favored by a point and a half. They didn't play that well against Miami last week, but found a way to win. Noon Sunday on Fox, this is also opposite the Bears game. I'll go ahead and pick this game. I think the Bills are sort of a fraud. And if getting- But aren't the Eagles also? Um, I think that, the-, the record shows they are. Sure, but I don't even know that the Bills have the talent. I'm talking about the Bills' record right now. Okay, they've right. had a pretty easy schedule to get to where they're at. What are they five and one? I think correct. Um, the Eagles, I, I keep thinking that they're going to turn it around in their secondary, but at this point, no, their secondary is just bad. But is Josh Allen going to kill them deep? I don't. I don't no. know. I'm I'm taking the Eagles here, and um, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I'm with you. Like. 
The Eagles should be a good team. They should. Just like the Bears should be a good team. Yeah, that's all I got for my analysis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hoke said that the Bills yeah. are sort of a fraud. I'm going to go all in and say that they are 100% a fraud. Eagles were bad last week. I expect them to bounce back. Carson Wentz is going to have a good game. He doesn't need the points, but I will take them. I'll take the Eagles, and I will lock it up. That Bill's defense is not bad. Oh, you're locking it up. Sorry. Hit the button, Adam. Okay. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right, we'll keep it moving. Got lost my razor. Truth be told, my wife went in town all week, so I didn't have anybody getting on me about it. (laughs) The Carolina Panthers go to San Francisco 49ers still undefeated, five and a half point favorites at home, 305 Sunday on Fox. This is a sneaky good game. Yeah. This is a possible like first round playoff game. Yeah. You could argue. Mm-hmm. The 49ers are kind of like the Bears last year. In a lot of ways, they are the 2018 Bears. Winning with defense. They have a good defense. They have a good pass rush. They have a good offensive mind in Kyle Shanahan who's finally got his quarterback out there. And I don't think Garoppolo's been great. No. I, is Kyle Allen the better quarterback in the game right now? Um, I don't know about that. Maybe. Statistically, I think he is. I like Garoppolo. He's doing enough in that system right now to move the football, win games, not unlike Mitch Trubisky did last year in Matt Nagy's system. Um, I just think there's a lot of comparables right now. The 49ers are playing a last-place schedule, too. That certainly helps. No, not last place. They were in third place because the Cardinals were in last. But they have an easier schedule. I think that's played a role in all this. Um, that being said, the Panthers are, I think, a good team. And five and a half points is a lot here. I think at a minimum, they cover. So I'm taking the Panthers. Christian McCaffrey, MVP candidate? Absolutely. Yes. One of the NFL's leading rushers right now. Dynamic player, dynamic threat. Yes, I am looking for the stat on Kyle Allen here. I cannot find Here it is. His pass rating this year, 106.6. He's playing better ball than, than uh, Jimmy Grappolo. Um, give me the Panthers. Just a gut pick. Okay. Even with the, I know I got the points, but give me the Panthers. Joe? Speaking of frauds, who's played an easier schedule, San Francisco or New England? <laughs> oh, you should have brought this up on Hot Take Tuesday. Yeah, so neither team um, it has a loss, but neither team has played a team with a pulse. Um, I do like... The, <laughs> Are you calling Tom Brady a fraud? Hey, no, I love Tom. Come on. Um, I do like the 49ers coach. I think Shanahan is the real deal, and I think Garoppolo can be good. Um, I like the trade for Emmanuel Sanders. I'm not sure if he'll be ready for Sunday's game. I but, do love that trade. Yeah, that's a that's a really good trade for the 49ers, and I, I think the 49ers will make the playoffs, and I'm, I'm not doubting them. I just, I'm not super impressed by beating the Washington Redskins in Washington in a tsunami. I mean, okay. That was an ugly game. Yeah, yeah. super ugly. Uh, that being said, Panthers coming off the bye. Um, I'll go with... Uh, McCaffrey and the Panthers to uh, win outright. A clean sweep on the Panthers. Wow. All right. Fade let's it. move on to the, the big game of the week. All right. The Wisconsin Badgers went to Champaign, stunk it up. I'd say so. Lost to the Illinois fighting Illini. I've been trying to propose a rule this week that if you lose to Illinois, you should automatically lose bowl eligibility. 
And I, and I maybe that's more of a dig on Illinois than any team that loses to them. Well, well, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah that's yeah, how bad yeah, of a loss yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, you, you could argue maybe even like a three-year probation. Yeah, automatic three-year bowl probation. I heard Lovey Smith got another ten-year extension for that one. Hey, he deserved <laughs> it. If they won a game, they won a game. All right, so Wisconsin bounces. They were obviously looking ahead last week. Looking ahead to Ohio State. This was the big one. 11 a.m. Saturday on Fox. Huge game on 11 a.m. That's cool. Um, 14 and a half point favorites. The Buckeyes are. They are also ranked number three in the country right now. Explosive. Um, I think the Badgers can cover. Not going to win at them. Okay. I think they could cover. The second Wisconsin lost last week, I said, I don't care what the spread is. I'm picking Wisconsin. Okay. Because here's the thing. Wisconsin is a good football team. That's part of the reason why that loss last week hurt so damn much. Because they just did not show up. It was the biggest letdown look-ahead sandwich situation I've ever seen in my life. And you could see in the first quarter, they were just kind of throwing their shoulders in the guys. They were worried about getting hurt. Human nature, 19, 20-year-olds... They wanted to. They could not wait to play Ohio State. It was so obvious. I was saying this in the middle of the game before they even lost. And by the way, I thought they were going to win the whole time until the end. Yeah. End of the game. Did you see some of the stats in that game? Illinois didn't have a lead the entire game. They didn't run a play in the red zone the entire game. And they won. They got doubled up in yardage and time of possession. It's the most bizarre game ever. Yeah. So they got dominated, but won. Right. That and that to me. Look, nothing. Take nothing away. Lovey Smith, his takeaway ball worked in the fourth quarter. They went out and they they grabbed it from the Badgers. But Wisconsin totally coughed that one up. I mean, that was a definition of losing when you, when you should. Anyway, fourteen and a half points. I think it's too much here. I, look, I saw Ohio State in person last week. They're great. I would have picked Ohio State to win the game, even if Wisconsin had won last week. Yeah, I never thought Wisconsin was going to go into Ohio State and win. That's not what I'm saying. I did think it'd be a close game. I still think it's going to be a close game. I think it works in Wisconsin's favor. That's 11 a.m. and not a night game. I think they cover 14 and a half, and I'm doing this. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. You don't, feeling the mojo, Joe? Yeah. Well, you know, don't let one loss ruin your entire season. You know, this is a, obviously they got caught looking ahead last week and I didn't think that was possible with all the shutouts and all the points that they've been putting on people. They got a great coach there, a great running back, a Heisman candidate, you know, don't allow what happened last week to affect you this week. This is not a knock on Wisconsin. This is just, uh, I was, I was in the stands for the, for the game last week for the Buckeye game. They are loaded. They are ready to go. Um, I I think you're right. They do catch a break that this game is at 11 and not, uh, not a night game, but um, you know they've they've seen Michigan State. They've seen a, you know that's that's the one other good defense that they've seen. But I think this is a this is a statement game for OSU. They don't they don't have a ton on their schedule, so they really need to take it to these ranked opponents. So I I think they do cover the the two touchdown spread. I just I, I obviously I've seen a lot of Wisconsin football over the years. I've never seen a team do what they had did before last week. The domination. They had only allowed three points in the first half the entire season. And it was Northwestern who got the field goal on them. I mean, what I cannot explain how weird of an upset that was last week that they lost because they had just been not just beating teams, but crushing teams. Like, 
your Wolverines. You saw it, Joe. I mean, I really do think this Wisconsin team is really, really, really good. And that's why I just think this is too many points. Yeah, and you said you thought they were going to win all the way to the end. Even, you know, the way Lovey Smith coached it at the end where he like he he wasted the other team's timeouts instead of like going for the dagger. Yeah. Um, I, I thought he was going to miss the kick, to be honest. But it, it, it is interesting. This Wisconsin team is really good, and I'm, I was surprised, obviously, at what happened last week. But Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, we'll keep it moving. The good thing is, after three straight, usually kickers like to go right from the net to the field. He's been standing out here for a good five minutes. So. There's another one. There's another good uh, yep. observation. See, I'm, I'm glad Hoag's not here today. Yeah, We're he getting all this good this. stuff from Jeff. We didn't know any of this stuff. He's having tea and crumpets. All right, we'll pick these last two games quickly because uh, we got to get to Hallis Hall. But we're going to the SEC. Number nine, Auburn at number two, LSU. Talk about a really good football team. LSU. Looks I like that quarterback. Great. Joe Burrow. Yeah. It's, first of all, it's just weird seeing LSU have a good quarterback. Uh, yeah, very. Yeah. Uh, ten and a half point favorites at home. 2.30 Saturday on CBS. I'll just go first. I think LSU is so good. I think they cover. I concur. I yeah, go with the quarterback sometimes. Yep. Joe? LSU's next game is Bama, but they do have a week, uh, a bye week. So this was a potential look-ahead spot, but I don't think they're looking ahead to anything yet. I think they, uh, like you said, blow them out. Go LSU. I guess I am a communist. And then the big one at night. Although it's not... It's big. No, I need it. Hey, don't reel it back in. Come on. You called it big. We're keeping it big. Let's go. Why is this a pick Number eight, Notre Dame at number 19, Michigan. 6.30 p.m. Saturday on ABC. Now, I'll give Michigan credit. They did. They, they battled last week at Penn State. They they had a chance there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Notre Dame's coming off their bye week, too. Conveniently scheduled before their rival. I don't know. Joe, you go first on this. I'm surprised as a pick them. Notre Dame went into Georgia earlier this year, and now I guess Georgia did lose to South Carolina, but they played tough on the road in a crazy atmosphere down there in Athens. I don't think that they're going to be really scared about Ann Arbor here. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the, the game actually opened up with as Michigan favored by four points, so it's already been bet back to a pick them. Um, like you said, it, it was good to see Michigan come back against uh, Penn State. They were chasing 21 early come all the way back, had a chance to tie the game late, and uh, the kid dropped the ball. Um, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by the offense starting to get going a little bit, the the running game starting to get going. Um, man, whew, this one's tough. I, I, in a pick I got to take Michigan against a rival, but, I mean, if I'm speaking truthfully, I think Notre Dame's a better team, and they can go into the big house and uh, and pull off the upset. I guess. Yep, I'm going Irish. I think Joe just picked both teams. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I did. All right, I'm going back. I'm, I'm saying Michigan takes it to him. Let's go. Wolverines. Own it. Own it. Take yeah. your team all the way in. I'm going to take Notre Dame in a pick em. I just don't trust this Michigan team right now, and uh, I will take the Irish. All right, that's going to do it for us. Big episode. Lots to get to. Um, I hope we've help clarify a little bit what's going on in offense. But, it's more nuanced than it looks. Yeah. And try not to get over too carried away with things on, on Twitter. Please. Oh. Please. And by the way, I do believe, Matt Nagy said this yesterday, I still think there's enough talent on this team that the best recipe would be a victory. Yes. I mean, I do Winning think a, solves a, lot of things. a win could go a long way and give them a chance. I thought beginning of the year, going to Philadelphia was one of the toughest games on the schedule. Now it's, you know, no, it, it looks winnable. It, it, yes, absolutely. But I don't know if it's winnable if you lay another dud against the Chargers. Because then things start to get really dark. Yeah, you could have a repeat of the trip to Philadelphia from a few years ago. And, ooh, a lot of 
things could be solved in that locker room right now with a victory. So we'll see if number 10 bounces back. I don't know. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Read us, wgnradio.com slash bears. The Athletic, the Athletic app. All your coverage is up there. Please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you doing that. Don't forget about our live show November 7th. Crolls, South Loop. Looking forward to it. Enjoy the game on Sunday. See ya. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley?